Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is DTC Growth Hacking with Rob McGray. Brought to you by Field Test. Advertising Simplified. Direct-to-consumer, or as we call it, DTC, goes way beyond advertising. And one of the things that we're really discovering, especially doing this podcast, is that DTC is actually really just all about relationships. And we live in this really amazing time where maintaining relationships has become exponentially easier for not only friends and family, but but brands and, and consumers. And by the way, doctors. And, uh, you know, I want to say that that today, speaking of doctors, I believe that doctors have had to become their own brands in a way. And uh, to that regard, we're speaking with my my very good friend, Dr. Ramey Shunny. She is a top-rated naturopathic physician. She practices in Santa Cruz, California, um, formerly of New York, New York, or whoop, whoop. Brooklyn, New York, or Red Hook, New York. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can get I can get really meta there. Um, she's been providing medical services to many patients for the last two decades. She's had her own medical cleansing product in the market, and she's been a spokesperson for um, a myriad of top supplement and CBD companies. So get ready, listeners, because we're about to dive into what it's like to be a doctor in today's DTC's landscape. You're listening to DTC Growth Hacking. It's presented by Field Test, and my name's Rob McGray. Dr. Shani, in the house, how are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. It's so good to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. And, and the fun thing is we've talked about a lot of this before, but we've never talked about it in public. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So now we just need to put on like a little bit, of, just a little bit of censorship, just a tiny, tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we yeah, I tend to get personal, but I, I don't ask anybody to get too crazy uh, just because <laughs> who knows who's listening. I don't know who's listening. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and for full disclosure to, to you who are listening, I've known Dr. Shani for a, a while now, in, in addition to being my good friend. Uh, I've leaned on her at various times for all kinds of different medical advice. And in fact, she cured me about a decade ago of my really bad allergies. Um, and I've always been very thankful for that. And, and I've always been surprised at, at, at what the cure was. May, how are you? Ready to talk? I'm, I am so ready to talk. What was the cure? I totally forget. It was raw honey. Oh, that's right. Yes. Every, raw honey. Day, every day I have a little tiny spoonful of raw honey and it's local, sorry, local raw honey. And it's, it's, it's got the, I mean, you could tell everybody better than I can, but it's got the uh, allergens yep. built in and I've built a natural kind of tolerance by dosing myself 
uh, over time with you're giving yourself a, you're giving yourself a baby vaccine all the time yeah. look at you yeah. fantastic you know Who we've knew? known each other for over 20 years by the way wow wow yes. and, and and 10 of that i haven't been sneezing the whole time. Yeah, that, yeah, or, you're welcome yeah so so that's great also i used to take a lot of like every different kind of allergy medicine um, some of which would just whack me out. Mm-hmm. And so honey doesn't seem to do that. All right. Win-win. Good old honey. So DTC, or um, as formerly known as B2B, and before that, it was probably called just marketing, and before that, maybe a Rolodex, and uh, yeah. before that, index cards. Um, but there's nothing like an amazing new algorithm to make something old feel new. We'd love to do it all the time. We've done it again. Um, the new one right now, the new, it's not an acronym, but have you heard about the metaverse? You're so meta, Rob. Yeah, the metaverse, <laughs> which is basically the internet, but everyone's <laughs> talking about the metaverse, which is just another word for internet. And some people are going to debate me on that. And I will welcome the debate because it's just oh. the internet. Oh. So no one get freaked out. Okay. Um, so can we get just a little context here for listeners to explain what exactly a naturopathic physician is? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad you asked because I think that the vast majority of people uh, don't know. Uh, I think of naturopathic doctors as the original integrative doctors, which is something that you hear a lot now. Um, And, you know, integrative doctors, I think most people, that's a name that they understand, right? These are doctors that are integrating something with something. And usually it's kind of a more conventional, traditional type of patient care model with some form of whether it's acupuncture or it's nutrition or it's herbal medicine. It's a a kind of commingling and a coming together of traditional, conventional medicine with usually, you know, time-tested, traditional, natural therapeutics. Um, so this is very popular right now. Lots of MDs are actually backtracking in their training to gain this other type of knowledge because patients want it and, and it makes a lot of sense. It's been around for a long time. Natur- naturopathic medicine, naturopathy as some people call it, um, is actually a, a, its own school or type of medicine. It's completely separate from MD and DO training, chiropractic training, acupuncture training. It's its own thing. It's postgraduate. It's uh, four to five years of academic training, which is meant to be modeled after um, allopathic medical training so that we are getting the same scientific training, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, pathology, et cetera. Um, You're learning pharmacology and you're learning minor surgical procedures and drug therapies, but you are integrating it with many semesters of nutrition, uh, the use of what I call therapeutic nutrition, which is dietary supplementation, uh, herbal medicine. We learn a lot about physical medicine, which kind of looks like chiropractic in certain circles, but can um, be a, a variety of different physical modalities and a lot of lifestyle counseling. So naturopathic medicine is the only education I know of where you actually learn all of that when you're in school. Right, so you don't have to learn one system and then backtrack to another. Um, that's a bit of a badge of honor for me personally, because um, I think it's also a great way to learn about health and medicine. Because you can't help but keep a much larger holistic lens in how you think about patient care when you're learning that there are actually lots of tools in the toolbox that you can use to treat your patient in front of you. It's going to be different from person to person, and the trick is kind of knowing when to do what with whom, right? There's sometimes when a dietary change or some local honey every day 
actually makes a lot of sense, right? There's sometimes where you best be looking at medication, you know, bringing in the bigger guns, so to speak, um, to, to help with where that person's at. So naturopathic doctors, the original integrative docs, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting field. It's a very varied field, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I've been doing it for 20 years now. Yeah. I, I mean, that was such a good uh, explanation. And um, I'm, I'm sure that you've told me a lot of those things before, but never so complete at one time. I, I always wonder if people get hung up on on that, on the idea of, of what, what I would, what's typically called alternative medicine as mm-hmm. well. Like in, mm-hmm. and I think that the confusion lies where, you know, that there's, there's constants, right? The body doesn't change. The anatomy doesn't change. The symptoms don't change. It's the solution that is expanded into other areas. And that can only be beneficial in my mind. But I think that some people get caught up and they think it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a flat earth type of situation where it's like, oh, the, but they don't even believe in science. They don't believe in the body. They, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. They have all that same information. Right. It's dismissive. It, it's just, it's just, it's dismissive and it's, it's a turf war and it's incredibly political and tribal, just like everything else. So yeah, people, people get hung up on that. Anybody who's not an MD or a DO is a quack. And, um, I would argue that's such a nasty word, isn't it? But I, I would argue that there's quacks of all stripes um, and that yeah. there's a lot of really well-intentioned, well-educated, smart people who have all different types of degrees um, who can still offer scientific evidence-based treatment. And we know that pharmaceuticals and medical devices and surgical procedures do not fix everything. And what they don't fix in particular are chronic healthcare challenges, which is what we suffer from greatly um, in, in our country and in, you know, throughout the world, particularly in developed nations. Um, but these kind of chronic illnesses, we need other ways. We need other dietary, lifestyle, um, naturopathic, uh, natural approaches to help people get where they want to go. Medicine and surgery does not always cut it. I think there's room in the sandbox for everybody. Um, I have colleagues of all different degrees. I work in an integrative clinic with an MD and two acupuncturists and a chiropractor and a therapist and a pediatrician. And the core four of us have been working together for over 12 years. Um, and when you're doing integrative medicine like that, integrating um, integrating uh, degrees, right? Integrating where the doctor's coming from with integrating different modalities. I mean, to me, I mean, that's just, that's the best case scenario for, for a lot of patients who are not getting their needs met in what our conventional system has to offer. Yeah. I remember uh, I, I had, um, you know, some, some, a surgery on my sinuses and my surgeon kind of in a weird way told me, to go by, I think it was, was it bioxin? It's something like that. It's some kind of thing that you take and it prevents bruising. Right. And, uh, but it's, you get it from a health food store and it comes in these little tiny like cylinders and these little tiny like things. That oh, you it, well, it sounds homeopathic. It sounds like Arnica yeah. or something. That's it. It's Arnica. Yeah. Arnica something, something. And, uh, and he's like, but he's like, but I didn't tell you to get this. And I was like, wait, what, what, what do you mean? You didn't tell me to get this. Like, this is on the down low. Like, what do you, what, I don't know what that means. He's like, get this and take it. Like, and he gave me this whole like regiment, like take it like two days before or 48 Uh hours and you're going to need it in your system. And this is going to actually 
make recovery time substantially reduced for you. Yeah. And it's going to limit the bruising in your face. And I was like, but, but what's this like, I didn't tell you this thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, if people found out I was doing this, it would be frowned upon. Yeah. There is no more maligned modality, uh, at least in this country, than homeopathy, um, which is um, which is a whole other show that you could do. <laughs> but is a you know it's basically um, extremely diluted amounts of medicines that are that are given, um, and the idea is that it's the energetics of what's left of the original substance, which is extremely small after all the dilution that is causing these energetic effects in the body. And what's fascinating is that arnica, and there's a couple other. Um, very common homeopathics used for um, bruising and injuries and healing. You go to any plastic surgeon, you go to anybody that's doing big orthopedic surgery, they're recommending these homeopathics. I always, it kind of makes me chuckle because like of all things, you're going to recommend Arnica as opposed to, you know, there's countless other things that I would say are really important for healing from surgery that nobody wants to talk about. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. So I think, I think from, your definition uh, of, of of your profession. Um, I'm I'm gonna make a, a guess here that that the the medical road that that you've chosen is not necessarily the easiest um, in terms of educating the the general public and your patients on on what it is that that makes you different and what it is that makes you the same. Yeah, uh, that is absolutely correct. And I would just tack on to that, that I think these types of professions um, also make it a lot harder to to make a living uh, in your trade of choice. Um, You know, you can't just graduate from naturopathic school and go get a job, right? The local hospital, the local clinics are not hiring um, naturopathic doctors. So it really is, for the most part, um, a profession that requires you to go out and and make a name for yourself, to brand yourself, um, create a create a clinic, create a presence, do your education. Yes, because this is not mainstreamed information. I mean, we. It's interesting that you brought up homeopathy because one of the things that I get the most often is when I say I'm a naturopathic doctor, and people go, "Oh, you're a homeopath," um, and I say, "No, no, they're they're actually." Those are quite different. Those are really, really different. Um, and so, so yeah. And you know, if you go to my website and you go to the frequently asked questions, I have spent a significant amount of time trying to create answers about what's the difference between um, a licensed naturopathic doctor and a traditional naturopath. What's the difference between a naturopathic doctor and a homeopath, et cetera, et cetera. Because um, yes, uh, informing the public also falls to us. So. Um, there's a lot of education that has to happen and a lot of, um, branding. I keep going, but branding, not even of myself, but of my medicine that I'm kind of left to do on my own a little bit too, because to get from graduation to successful practice, there's a lot of hurdles that I've got to get to, to get people into me. Cause you know, I can't go get a job. I don't necessarily have insurance that's going to cover my services. So I've got a lot of obstacles. And on top of that, Nobody knows what the heck I do. So what an interesting profession for me to choose. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to believe that it's going to be one of these things like, um, I don't know, solar energy, right? Where at some point in history, you know, people are going to go and look back and go, oh, oh, that's why that wasn't, that's why solar energy wasn't popular because mm. there's, they're making too much money off of oil 
And mm-hmm. I think it's going to be similar where, you know, people are going to look back and, and what I think they're going to say is these, these people that were sick and, and living unhealthy lives, if they had focused on preventative medicine, um, they, they wouldn't have had to suffer and take all these drugs. And I mean, I, I, I see it every day um, because, you know, in our, in, in, in my family, there are, there are older adults and, and some of which are not necessarily having the best quality of life. And, uh, and I'm not saying they did it to themselves by any means, but, you know, but they're, you know, they're, they're still eating sausages in the morning. And yeah. you're like, you know, I, 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 I know that you, I know that you come from a time where that was considered like healthy, but you know, one, it's not that healthy. And two, like you're not that healthy. Yeah. And you know, and, and you might need to dial it back and, you know, eat some greens. Absolutely. And and, and it's like, and it's like, you've said something horrible to somebody by saying that. Well, yes. I mean, people have, you know, we have a lot invested in allowing each other to stay where we are. If, if I question my diet, if I pull, let's just say gluten out of my diet, if I cut back on my alcohol intake or my caffeine intake, and I tell you, well, you might take it really personally and get really defensive about your own caffeine, alcohol, gluten, yeah. sugar intake, right? I mean, we're like, we're kind of in this together. So when somebody starts to pull out and go, Hey, I feel a lot better when I do this, or I think this is better for me. Um, you're going to have different reactions. And one reaction might be, wow, that's really cool. I wonder if I should think about doing something like that or if that would be right for me. Another is like, how could you, how could you do that to me? Like actually taking it quite personal. But I, you know, Rob, I think like the 25 years that I've been on this journey, I mean, I've, I've seen this integrative medicine, functional medicine, uh, naturopathic, you know, holistic concept. I mean, it has exploded in the last 20, 25 years. I mean, I, I never thought that I would see so many MDs taking an interest in integrative and functional medicine. And in fact, um, I hate to say this um, where, uh, some, where people are going to hear me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I fear greatly that those MDs are going to you know, completely uh, eradicate my entire profession. <laughs> Because when you when you have people who have power, right, who um, have uh, money behind them and resources behind them and acceptance behind them, um, social validation behind them, um, insurance behind them, and they start to offer these kinds of services, well, why on earth would you pay out of pocket for somebody else? So as long as we are kept out of the systems of medicine, which the American Medical Association seems extremely set on doing. Um, I think that we're going to be a bit of a dying breed, frankly. But but um, I suppose the good news um, is that I do think that that naturopathic, integrative, and functional medicine will continue to thrive, even if the people practicing it shift and change a little bit. I'm sorry, all my naturopathic friends are booing me right now, but that's that's Ooh, just what I see. Yes. It's just what I see. Yeah. It's really sad. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend that the country's healthcare system is not, um, you know, yeah, a mess. Broken, Let's just say a mess. Completely, yeah. completely broken. And and we as as the people as the sufferers of such a, a poor, poorly designed system and poorly designed infrastructure for health, like we seem unable to do anything about it. You know, it. I I I, I can't even imagine how it could, you know, like how we could be this quote unquote advanced 
and have such a shitty system. Um, and, and I don't, and I'm not just, I'm not pointing my finger at doctors. I'm saying the system, because I, I, you know, I have lots of friends who are doctors and we talk about the pain of dealing with insurance companies and what that means and insurance and, and all of these topics come up all the time. And you're just like, Oh my God, it's like almost impossible, not only to be a patient, but to be a doctor today. It's really challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, yeah, I think doctors, regardless of their background, are feeling that hurt too. And sadly, the people that manage healthcare um, and make the rules are—it's not the doctors and it's not the patients. And we've gotten ourselves in yeah. quite a situation. It's—it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. So, so let's just let's just take a step back to where the beginning of what I'll call the the branding begins. Yes. Right. You, you, because I know that you, you started off. You're practicing in. I want to say New York and, and Connecticut mm-hmm. currently at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you how do you get into these places and start? You know how do you how do you present yourself? Like how does it happen? Yeah. So when I graduated and moved to New York, it was two thousand one. Um, I did do a, a residency with a naturopathic doctor in Connecticut for a year. Um, and then d- during that year, I actually met a, um, a gynecologist in New York who I really liked a lot. And she worked at a local hospital, no longer, no longer operating, called uh, Litch or Long Island College Hospital in Brooklyn Heights. And she introduced me to the administrator of the OBGYN and cancer center departments. And Carol and I, we just had a, a love at first sight um, meeting of the minds. And she just, I mean, she is this like old school Italian. I think she's in her seventies now. Um, so she was probably in her fifties when I met her, uh, Italian woman from Staten Island, like the thickest accent you could ever imagine. I won't even try to do it. It's so good though. Um, and anyway, she and I just connected and she muscled her way in and that's how she was. She just muscled me in as the director of health education and wellness programs um, for the OBGYN and cancer center um, there. And so it was a non-clinical job. Um, Naturopathic doctors are not licensed to practice medicine in the state in the state of New York. Um, So um, they couldn't bring me in clinically, even if they had wanted to, which they didn't. Um, So it was, so it was this job where I was creating programming to teach people, right? Educate people about naturopathic and integrative medicine um, to, we held all of these great nutrition classes and had different speakers come in. And then there I was teaching grand rounds um, to the OBGYN, um, oncology, family medicine departments. Um, Grand rounds, for those of you who don't know, is something that in academic institutions like teaching hospitals, which Litch was, they have regular lunch meetings where all the doctors in the middle of coming to see patients, they come down and somebody is there to teach them something. Um, and there would be little old me, unlicensed in New York, naturopathic doctor. Um, and, you know, the good news here, um, and this, of course, is important for everybody to understand when we talk about the branding stuff, is that my first love was theater. So... Um, I was the right person to pick and push up in front of everybody because as nerve wracking and as scary as it was, and I got to tell you, it was so scary. um, I, I, I had tools that I could, that I could 
pull in and draw from. And I knew that given the right um, situation and, and ability to prepare, that I could present something and connect in a meaningful way and start to create relationship with these doctors. And um, it was this amazing opportunity that that fell in my lap. But that what that job at the hospital afforded me was, you know, financially, it, it gave me the ability to very slowly start to build a small practice um, on the side and not have to be so concerned. I mean, to this day, I'm not quite sure what I would have done if I had to just start practicing and had to make a living that way. I think I would have been waiting tables or, or teaching Pilates or, you know, some of the other things I did before, before med school, um, because I don't know how that's sustainable. And I have a lot of smart, capable colleagues I went to school with who couldn't get past that first goalpost. Um, but for me, it was having this, this opportunity, which drove home for me like, okay, education, that's what I need to do. So even outside of the hospital, I started finding places in the community where I could give talks. Acupuncturist offices um, was one of them. Um, there is a, a local community center. Um, I started doing little print ads. Um, you know, you remember when those were a thing. Actually, I still do. I still do print ads, which I know you think is hilarious. Um, and 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 that was how I started it. And then and then I and it just it built from there. You know, word of mouth came and the practice grew. I did at one point work in an OBGYN office in Connecticut concurrently. That was about the time I decided to move to California because I was quickly watching how if I stayed in New York, I was going to become one of these people with eight jobs who worked seven days a week, yeah. and that probably wasn't healthy for me. Um, and then, of course, I had to move to California and start all over again. Yeah, and 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 this is, and I, I, I know this part of the story, and I, I really like it because, what edge, you know, and you're gonna, you're gonna clearly tell me. Um, I'm not gonna, I don't want to spoil this, <laughs> but I love the the way that you were able to market yourself in in a new community, in a smaller community, and uh, and and I feel like you were able to acclimate yourself to the rules of that community rather quickly. Yeah, I'm a good rule follower. So that, that helps me. Um, but yes, I moved from Brooklyn, New York to Santa Cruz, California, which really couldn't be more different. Although I suppose there's certain parts of Brooklyn Heights and Park Slope that have some similarity to Santa Cruz, but that's open for debate. Yeah. Very different. Um, I did have a license to practice medicine in California, which was still to this day is unavailable in New York. Although um, you can be licensed to practice in Connecticut as a naturopathic doctor. Um, so, you know, I, I moved and once again, you know, the beauty of relationships just came into my life. I mean, when I look back at my, professional career. I mean, I, I just, I see this line of, of champions, um, who all happen to be women who championed me, stood me up on their shoulders. Eden, the gynecologist I met in New York, who introduced me to Carol, who literally threw me like a sack of potatoes over her shoulder and dragged me into the hospital through all the people who didn't want an ND there. And, you know, we were successful. And then when I came here, I had a connection through my father um, with a woman who at the time was the creative director of a group of local health food stores um, called New Leaf Markets, um, now owned by New Seasons. But for a long time, they were a big local, um, local group of about five stores. And she, when, you know, we started talking and she was really envisioning, so this is 2005, 
envisioning that they always had this great supplement section of the store, but she wanted to really incorporate what they were able to offer their customers more than just a supplement aisle. She wanted a newsletter that had health articles. She wanted classes to be taught. She wanted practitioners to come into the store. So I was coming in, I was starting from scratch. Um, and I agreed to start writing monthly newsletters for them, um, to start teaching classes with them, which was another really important thing that happened. Um, and every Wednesday for three hours, rain or shine, I brought myself to that little health food store downtown and I sat there and I talked to anybody who came in, um, about what was going on with them and walked them up and down the aisles and, you know, basically did things that some doctors would really feel as beneath them. And, and I'll tell you, it was not easy. And sometimes when it got, I did this for years, it got to a point where there'd be lines, you know, out the door. Um, it was not easy. And, and I still rob to this day, I have people show up in my office with a cutout of, of an article from 10 years ago or some notes on a piece of paper. I came to see you about my foot <laughs> um, in 2007, you know, and then there they are finally getting there. And um, or I went to your class because the other thing that happened was at the same time they brought me and they brought in a chef. And she and I began teaching classes together. And that was a real boon because she and I exploded and went on to do a lot of other things. So, you know, again, it's it's just like it's leveraging relationship all the time. Um, and I still do, you know, um, I, well, we can get into that, too. But I mean, I, I am constantly I see somebody interesting or who's got a product who's interesting or doing something that's interesting. I call them and I'm like, you need people to talk to your people, people like me to talk to your people about what you're doing. You know, it's you've got to leverage yourself and create those relationships. Um, and then, you know, for me, the ability a and the willingness B to stand up and talk in front of people um, and offer information and teach has just been crucial. I, I don't know how you do it without being willing to do that at, at some capacity. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it's uh, a lot of times we, we, we discussed this concept of uh, broadcast versus conversation. Mm. And a lot of marketing today is very much on the broadcast side, which is one way. You know, uh, you know, I'm, I, the visual would be the megaphone, right? You know, come right here and get your da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and which is great for getting a message out, but not so good for building a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you if you imagine like if you had a friend and every time you saw that friend for dinner, they just talked about themselves <laughs> at you the entire time, and you're like, I know uh -huh, some people uh -huh, like that. Uh -huh. I have some people like uh -huh. that. <laughs> yeah, and and you're and you're thinking, um, this like I could be anybody. Like I literally could, hey, come over, grab this person and have them sit in that seat and the conversation will still go and it yeah. won't matter because yeah. you're not important. And when you describe this this time that you spent at, um, at, at New Leaf, which I just got, by the way, turnover New Leaf. Um, yeah. At, 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 the, at New Leaf, I, I'm not sure about new seasons though. I haven't figured <laughs> out like how the seasons are new. <laughs> like, weren't they a year ago? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Different, but <laughs> but I'm I'm just thinking of like the conversations and you know people like to tell other people what's going on with them and so the relationships that you were able to establish early on just by listening and reacting and having that conversation and and brands love to talk about conversation and they don't even know what it means mm -hmm. right 
Because like some people think it's reputation management, which is, oh, I'm going to go on Yelp when somebody talks some shit about me and I'm going to take like one of three approaches to how I deal with it. You know, one is I'm going to say you're wrong. Two is I'm going to own up and say I'm sorry. And three is I'm going to kind of own up but not apologize. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and those are basically the three <laughs> tactics in reputation management um, and pick and choose which one. But but to me, that's not community. That's not inserting yourself. That's not being like a fellow human. That's just managing what people are saying about you. Yeah. You know, I, I can only imagine the the joy and delight that that some of the residents um, of Santa Cruz experienced going in and having this resource and, you know, this. Um, you know, assertive, you know, confident young woman at the time. Um, not that you're not young now, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, you know, showing them the light and hearing them, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, when I think of medicine, I'm very much a stereotype. I always think of that visit to the doctor that lasts five minutes, Yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, that is not a relationship. No. And I have built my whole identity as a doctor around creating relationship with my patients. I mean, that's, that's what I do best. There are better diagnosticians out there. There are people with better hands for different procedures. Um, what, what I do best and what, as I get older, um, and I'm actually more conscious in how I want to shape my practice and what I do, um, what I want to do more than anything is what you just said, show up, listen, really that is healing in and of itself, whatever else I do or don't do. Um, you know, people continue to come back to me even when we're not necessarily getting the kind of headway on their symptoms that we want. And I have to believe that they are coming back because their needs are getting met on some level, even though things aren't moving as, as fast as I would like. And so with my own branding and my own choice of how I want to market myself, it's always about keeping it real, creating communication, you know, letting people know me a little, a little bit, right? I mean, I need to have boundaries. I need to be careful about what I disclose and when, but letting them know that I'm a human, um, that we're all humans, that we're in this together and, and taking that time. And, and I think that, you know, as I've transitioned into working with companies, doing education and spokesperson work, um, we can talk about how that came about too. I mean, I feel like the reason these companies choose me and keep me around, um, again, you know, I'm not the biggest brainiac. I'm not the biggest research geek. I'm not going to be able to cite studies for you all day long. That's just, that's not me. But what I am going to do is I'm going to connect with your audience and they're going to feel safe listening to what I have to say. Right. So like, these are the kinds of things, um, that, you know, I've tried to kind of roll into how I present myself to the world. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And, and, and you can definitely tell, I mean, I, you, I think even for people listening and hearing you for the first time today, they're getting a sense of, um, you know, the, the safety that, that, that you present and it, you know, this, this knowledge, but it's not too aggressive and it's not scary and you're not throwing out all acronyms all day long. And, and you don't seem like in a hurry to go somewhere else, which is probably just like, you know, a lot. A big itself. deal. Yeah. Yeah, but and I it's can not see monolithic, and it's not monolithic. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like this is real life. Like, there's pros and cons to everything we can talk about right now. So let's actually dig into what some of that conflict feels like, right? You're not going to come in to see me, and I'm going to go. Here's what you're going to do, and if you don't want to do it, I don't want to see you again. That's not what a visit looks like, right? Yeah, and and I know that you've you've worked with a lot of different brands. Um, I think some of the the larger ones would be like. Uh, Nordic Naturals, um, mm-hmm. as as like their um, medical spokesperson, and and CB Sciences, who mm-hmm. were one of the like early I, I would describe them as an early pioneer in in CBD. I would agree. Um, them and Charlotte, which is now just crazy, yeah. by the way. CBD yeah. is everywhere. Um, but but I have to believe that what they saw in you was was very much that, and that you could act almost as a proxy between them and their customers because, yes. you know. Without you, they're just another cold brand. Like, right. I would say, you know, Nordic Naturals, I mean, I, I almost think of that as cold just by the word Nordic. Right? <laughs> right. It, sounds, it sounds cold. Correct. Um, and then the CV Sciences is like as, as cold as you can get in a name. Like, right. I, I guess their branding expert was like, uh, you know, hey, the brand should be very cold and unemotional. Well, they originally wanted to really push themselves, right? Because it was Charlotte's Web and CV Sciences in the beginning, right? And they really wanted to push themselves as the science-backed mm-hmm. CBD company. And so, yeah, it's, it is pretty cold. I mean, they now say they're the makers of plus CBD oil, plus CBD oils. Okay. That's the fun part, right? But yes, it was not without um, consideration that they chose, you know, outside of Stuart Tomp, who... Um, uh, now has a bigger role in the company, but at the time was like the, what was he? I think VP of human nutrition was his title, but he was the educator. He was the one going out that the next logical person to bring in was a woman, a doctor, a mother, 
Like, because everybody was, this was 2014, 2015. CBD was scary to people. It's not scary anymore, right? Um, but it was. And so, you know, somebody like me to come out and talk about that they, that they use it, how they use it, why it feels safe, the research they look at, et cetera. So, I, that, I, you know, but, but I think that regardless of, that's a place for, for, for me and my strong suit. But, and it was particularly, I think, compelling um, in, the, in the CBD space in those early days too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that you're a, you're a perfect fit for any of these brands who are struggling with how to build real relationships. And, you know, the thing about it is if you think about like, I I would say someone like um, uh, Oprah Winfrey is a good example because you get a sense like the people who are big fans of Oprah, you know, I mean, she, she goes by just Oprah. Like Mm -hmm. you never call, like some people might not even know she has a last name. Mm -hmm. Like she's, it's so designed so that you feel like she's your friend and she feels accessible to you. Like, and she's made a, a life out of creating that, that, that warmth and that like, Hey, I'm down to earth and I'm like a regular person. And I, mm-hmm. I have struggles too. Yes. And, and I'll be public with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and there aren't that many people who can really do that well. Mm-hmm. Right. And maintain, you know, their pride, a level of privacy that, that everybody needs and a level of like, not privacy, but boundaries, because you don't want to be taking calls in the middle of the night. Right. Um, you, you can't, right. You can't function that way. Right. But the, um, but the but V word, just, the V word is the, is the big word right now, right? Vulnerability. Yeah. Right. So yeah, how, how do we, um, I, cause, cause I think showing my vulnerability um, is key to what I'm trying to do with marketing and branding. And it's key to how I want to practice and how do you, you know, being vulnerable doesn't mean you don't set boundaries. Yeah. Right. They're, they're, you know, those, they're not mutually exclusive. So, um, I think it's interesting that you brought up Oprah because it's just kind of, maybe I've modeled myself after Oprah and I didn't even know it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I've, I've always, I've always thought Oprah was super cool. And totally. I think for a while, like Michelle Obama mm-hmm. became my Oprah in mm-hmm. a way where, and I, I just remember, uh, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I will anyway, you know, when Michelle was, was doing her best to tackle like obesity and yeah. unhealthy diet in, in young people. And she was met with such an aggressive, yes. you know, campaign against her yeah. um, that people, that people fell for. Yeah. Like, and, you know, and, and I get it, like, you know, the, the big business knows how to market and they have like, you know, massive PR teams and and legal teams. And they just shut that down as fast as they could because God forbid you take responsibility for, you know, pushing sugar on children who have diabetes and, you know, and, and it's part of a larger epidemic, which is like that, a lot of Americans in particular can't afford to eat healthy. Like the, the healthy choice is, is not the financially sound choice. No, I know. I know. It's, it's kind of like what we were talking about in the beginning too, how, you know, sometimes when you make healthy suggestions or you shine a light on something, um, you think you're going to get met with a lot of people who are really interested to hear what you have to say and possibly take that advice. And instead you're met with a lot of um, defensiveness 
And, and obviously in Michelle's case, it wasn't just the fact that there were a lot of people that are really attached to how they move through the world and didn't want to hear it. But like you said, I mean, big business just said, are you, you, you kidding? Um, yeah. What happens to what happens to us if nobody has sugar cereal in the morning anymore? If children don't eat that in the morning, then what happens to us? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to switch subjects for a second. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that's been fascinating um, over the last decade or so is when social media began mm-hmm. to get really popular. Um, they were very much considered uh, an alternative advertising platform. And a platform that, you know, people could go to and you could get local and you could you could experiment and build audience that you really couldn't build anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And over time, we've seen social media become, you know, they, they are traditional at this point. It's not alternative anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that the CBD stuff especially has really shown a light on the fact that that social media and ad platforms are tied at the hip to essentially like, you know, the FDA. And if it's not FDA approved, it's kind of in this very strange, maybe it's okay, maybe it's not, but we can't guarantee that we're not going to pull it down and ban you Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to, to, to advertise because by the way, there's a, you know, our friends at the FDA um, who are probably friends with some people in drug companies and there's this whole like club that I'm not a member of um, mm-hmm. are not cool with this. It's becoming threatening. And so I've, I've really been um, a- attracted to witnessing what's happening with CBD um, because sometimes it seems okay. And sometimes it doesn't seem okay. And and I, I, I've had some friends on from Paradigm Media. They're a company that specializes in helping CBD brands actually understand policy and maneuver because it's always changing. But I would lump like the work you do kind of into that almost, not that you're prescribing CBD to everybody, but in that kind of area that that we're not quite sure where it's supposed to be even though we know where it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. but, but the powers that be have not like accepted it yet because they haven't figured out how to, how to make it profitable for them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I'll, and I'll tell you, um, and I think you, I, I'm not sure if you know this, but you know, I'm banned from Facebook and Instagram advertising. They took me down, I don't know, two years ago for some mixture of posting classes that I wanted to teach about CBD. And also as a, cause in my clinical practice, my specialty is actually women's health and hormone balancing. And so I do, um, I do a lot of classes also about sexual health, sexual medicine. And, um, and they didn't like that either. They kept fragging me for being some kind of adult store. And, mm. um, you know, and in the beginning, I would, in the beginning, I would get these flags when I would put up a class and then I'd write them back and I'd say, Hey, I'm a doctor. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm educating women about their sexuality and what happens as their bodies change, or I'm teaching about what CBD is. And, and then they'd clear me. And then somewhere, um, I think it was before the 2020 election, but it was when things got really crazy on Facebook um, politically. 
And yeah. I think Facebook had to really shift to doing a tremendous amount of damage control around that. I stopped being able to communicate with a person. So all I could do was talk to bots when they try to ban me. And eventually it escalated me to a point where it just, it just cut me off. So I am, um, Facebook actually used to provide some, some pretty decent advertising for me when I would teach classes. Um, I would always get new people. And even if I didn't get new people, I would get tons of likes on my page so that then if I post on my page, I could amplify my stuff. And so that's not even available to me anymore. And, and it's been, and with the advent of, you know, Instagram coming more into the fore in recent years, um, as a person, you know, who I still am pretty much a one woman show. I have not, I have not kind of graduated to this place where I have staff and administrative people. I have some help in the office and that's about it. So, you know, creating Facebook posts and Instagram posts and getting the links to mirror with, you know, back to my website, a place where people can go to follow the links where they can live. And it's been very difficult for me to manage and to be completely transparent. I'm in a place right now where I'm just doing very little of it because um, it was just becoming so problematic for me. Um, so I'm one of those people who it's, it's absolutely failed for. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not a big, um, look, what I'll say about Facebook is that they are consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think that their brand is basically, um, you know, they've done a good job of standing by what they represent. They're great at birthdays. Yeah, they're great at birthdays, but I think that they their message to the world is we don't give a shit about anything except and your data. So, yeah, yeah, and we are so powerful right now; we are untouchable. Mm-hmm. And every interaction that I I've had personally from any in any which way, whether it be like a job interview or being on the platform or anything, they have been so good at being consistent to let me know that I'm a piece of shit <laughs> and they're just a giant dick. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is, that is it. When they got together and they workshopped their brand, someone drew a giant penis, right. <laughs> and said, this penis is going to take over the planet and we're just going to screw everybody. I think you, you just know? got your tagline for this episode. <laughs> the, giant, the giant penis. It's a med- This is a medical episode, but <laughs> <laughs> but I recommend, I, I recommend, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm like a, a marketing expert per se. Um, I'm just a person, but I don't think that there's any benefit to giving Facebook money um, yeah. because they don't care. Yeah. And they have created a, the, the world's largest middleman where they will hold your customer information hostage from you. Mm-hmm. They won't even let people who manage pages talk to the people who follow those pages anymore. Yeah. You have to pay them. Yeah. You uh-huh. pay them to collect names that you don't know. And then you pay them to, to, to share posts with those names. And then you buy ads for lookalike audiences, none of whom you know, nor do you get to, to actually know anything about them mm-hmm. so that you can't even hit them with another message. The whole thing is so ridiculous and the world has bought into it. And, and again, I'm not surprised because we tend to like buy into some crazy stuff, but this is nuts to me. <laughs> yeah. And then I think about the, the, the people 
who actually could benefit from this service because the service itself is powerful and amazing. What they've built is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like that's separate from their brand. Their infrastructure of what they've created could change humanity. But instead, they've chosen to use it in such a, a strange way. You know, instead of drawing a big heart on the, you know, instead of the penis, mm-hmm. um, which which would have meant that we've all been our lives would have been enhanced and richer because of this. And people mm-hmm. would have been able to communicate with their doctor mm-hmm. and find mm-hmm. out information, you know, yeah. and the doctor wouldn't have to pay every time. Right. You know, I, I totally went off on a rant, but I'm, I'm quite proud of the way I did that. No, so I think that was a really good rant. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, occasionally somebody from some agency will get in touch with me and, you know, they'll have seen some of my stuff and heard what I do. And they've got these great ideas about what I can do to really build my brand and push it. And every conversation goes back to um, using some, um, some conglomerate platform that allows me to plan my social media posts throughout the month and the content I have to create and what it does and how much I'm going to have to pay them to do that for me while I'm generating all that content for them. And every time I just go, you know what, I'm not going to be a celebrity doctor. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be me and I'm going to go back to what I can actually do in my life, which is continue to, um, cultivate and and nurture these relationships. Um, and maybe it's not the fastest path to success and, and I'm certainly open to other ideas. Um, but right now it served me pretty well. And I actually really enjoy that part of what I do. I love, I mean, it works for me because I actually really love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I believe that um, hey, here, here's a stat. I think it takes somewhere between 13 and 21 separate interactions with a, with an, a brand's advertisement before an individual click on it. Mm-hmm. So you, and you're paying for all of those, those impressions, right? right you're right. paying for all of that with no guarantees. Right. The, the statistic on a, 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 an email, a newsletter email that somebody asked for the open rate is 60%, mm-hmm. right? So what does that tell you? Yeah. <laughs> like like the, that there's still something so powerful because email is still considered, it's intimate, it, it's, it's personal, um, it, it works better. Like, and, and that's not a stat that Facebook wants to get people to think about, mm-hmm. you know, because, mm-hmm. because they, they make their money off advertising. Right. You know, num- they're getting paid every time that someone yeah. doesn't call you. And, and meanwhile, you can like basically send out an email. I don't know if you have like Squarespace, it's like five bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for sure. A campaign, you know, and within, you know, and again, most people, most doctors aren't sending out emails to 70 million people. They're mm-hmm. sending out emails to maybe 500 people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and because, you know, unless you're, as you said, a celebrity doctor, like you're, you're, you're trying to create a, a, a community aspect, not necessarily, you know, trying to sell a book, um, right. which is fine too. Yes, you know, absolutely. Referring to all the doctors who write books and, and do big social media pushes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Do, yeah. But you, but you've had a website for a long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, when I came from New York to Santa Cruz, I was the only naturopathic doctor, uh, 
here who had a website. <laughs> so um, that and my robust East Coast work ethic, um, I think those things really gave me a big, a big leg up um, when I was here. And then, you know, about four years ago, I decided to overhaul my website and I decided I, I was done with these third person, Dr. Shunny um, specializes in blah, blah, blah. And in her free time, she likes to hike and do yoga and you know, like, just enough. Like I wanted something that actually fit me. Like I, and I went and they did this really fun photo shoot and I, I had, um, had someone kind of art direct it for me. And, um, and then she helped me on Squarespace with this website, which is just 180% me. I even tackled my name on the website, which is like, you know, for one of those things, you know, I am in the exact wrong career to have a name that can't be pronounced properly by reading it, right? I mean, I, I radio interviews all the time, podcasts all the time. Nobody can say my name. Patients don't know how to say my name. I actually tackled that on my website. I wanted the website to be really engaging um, for the right people and to even be off-putting for the wrong people because I was ready to be like, you know, if you see this and you're like, this is the person I want to be my doctor, then come. And if you're like, what is she doing? She's goofy. She's showy. She's whatever it is. Go, move along. Go to somebody else. Yeah. And I tell you, that was one of the best marketing decisions I ever did. And it, and it's really fueled me to, to continue moving in that direction. And of course, you know, I'm going to be 50 this year. I've been in practice for 20 years and you know, part of aging, uh, if we're lucky, is getting a little bit more comfortable in our own skin, a little bit less apologetic, a little bit more willing to just say, here I am, take it or leave it. And um, all of these decisions that I made professionally have mirrored my own my own personal growth in my life. And it just, it, it feels really authentic as I move into this next phase of my career, um, figuring out, you know, how do I really want to be in this space? You know, what is going to make me feel like I'm operating from a place of the highest integrity um, and of really doing good service in the world, which is something that I hold dear as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean you're, you're pretty savvy on, on the branding and the, the, how you present yourself um, clearly. You're, and, and, and I think it, as you said, it goes back to your training and, and one of your other loves, which is the theater. And you're, 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 you're very aware of yourself and, uh, you know, just from, I think, the tools that you have. And you've been able to figure out a way to make that work for you digitally. I think this website is a great representation of you as a person and you as a doctor. And which are not necessarily always the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the challenges is how do you blend that? Because that's what your patients are looking for is a little bit of each, right? Mm -hmm. The, mm -hmm. the, the hum, your human part and then the, the medical part. Do you think that your peers are as savvy as you? Like, what are you seeing with, with other professionals um, in terms of their ability to brand and market? Because um, I, I have no idea. Do you mean naturopathic doctors specifically, or just medical doctors in general? It could be it could be any type of doctor, yeah. or any type of like health service. Like I, you know, I don't want to eliminate like you know the the chiropractors or the acupuncturists sure. from like like they're important too. Massages, like every I consider it all of it's all of value, but I don't know how well people are doing with the the brand building and the marketing, especially when they're independent. I, I think they're doing terrible. 
I mean, I think you have like, you know, the Mark Hyman, Sarah Gottfried's, um, you know, of the world who are these just eminent, um, you know, uh, uh, doctors, both MDs in, in that particular example, but, but uh, doctors of all stripes who have elevated themselves to this, you know, this higher level with, you know, full on social media uh, admin and gorgeous websites and just big, uh, you know, just beautiful um, creations that interact and dialogue and educate and seem to just give information away. Like it's just, it's brilliant. And believe me, when you're coming at it from my sense, you know, I can look on on either of their stuff or somebody like them and go, oh my God, like I can't ever even think about competing because it's just, it's, it's huge, right? So yeah. you've got that, that very small group of doctors um, with all kinds of letters after their names um, who are doing a great job. I think there's probably a much more decent middle space than there used to be because of the ease to create beautiful, accessible websites. Um, you know, uh, you know, WordPress before and Squarespace now have made it so you do not need to have fancy tech training um, in order to make really great, nice to look at websites. And I do see more and more and more of those. But I think the vast majority of providers, um, they're trying to focus on I mean, let's face it, what they should be focusing on. They're, they're trying to take care of their patients in their office. They don't have the, 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 the bandwidth, the, the time, the resources to figure it out. They've got websites that, you know, still look like they're from 2001 um, that are way too wordy that nobody reads. And um, they have very little presence. I mean, I still, because I'm constantly online looking for referrals, other people, ideas, all kinds of stuff. I run into doctors that I'm looking at every single day who don't even have a website. Um, yeah. And I can't even get a stitch of personal information on them anywhere. So I think the medical community in general um, is, is not playing ball here. Some of them don't have to. They're in positions where they, you know, they're working for a large corporation and they just go in and they go to work. Um, and they don't really have to think about it in terms of branding themselves or shaping their practice or they're just not really there. But certainly any of us who are practicing independently, um, this is crucial for survival, particularly when you can't compete in the insurance markets. And I don't see um, a lot of my colleagues really excelling at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, kind of a uh, part of that, that same um, family in my mind is like digital records and access to medical data. Yeah. And, and as a patient, um, you know, I can tell you that there's not a lot of consistency from one doctor to the next. Mm -hmm. Some, you know, um, you'll, you'll, you'll have lab results in two hours with notes by the time you get home and with others, you know, you're waiting a week and then you get a voicemail, um, with some information because they don't have a HIPAA compliant method to, right. to give you the actual things besides voicemail. Yes. And, uh, and it's just so hit or miss. And I wonder, you know, I always wonder like, well, how, how does this happen? And as you describe this, you know, essentially what I, what I took away is that, you know, a lot of folks are, are, are focused on their practice and don't have the ability to go and, you know, entrench themselves in these, you know, marketing platforms or digital systems to figure this all out and, and seem to be very, um, you know, just stagnating 
and yet they, they could be great doctors. It, it, it's not necessarily a reflection on their ability. Not at all, right? I mean, like in a perfect world, you, you've, got, you've got somebody working your front desk, doing the scheduling, taking the money, you know, answering questions on the phone. You've got somebody doing your marketing. You've got, you know, but when you're, when you're a one-woman show, um, there's not always the resources to have that. So, so yeah, I think it's, um, it's a real challenge for doctors. I mean, you don't get these classes in school. Nobody ever talks to you about, okay, we've given you all this great information. You're going to be in debt for the next 30 years of your life, paying back these student loans or more. And now we're going to actually tell you how you can be a success at it. You know, it's, it's kind of like this, if we build it, they will come. And we all know that that's bullshit. You know, that, that, that is not how it works. So, and yes, they could be the most fantastic doctor and nobody would know. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, which says something in its, you know, in in itself, Mm -hmm. you know, this idea of, uh, you know, the, the illusion, the illusion of our personas online versus who we really are. Right. And, And it, and, and it, and it's, and, and, and I never really thought about it. For doctors, but even like, I mean, I know you and I know you've really tried to do your best to, to create a, a persona online that reflects who you are, but so many other people don't. And so you end up like not getting what you thought you were going to get. Right. I mean, it could be the exact opposite of the example we just gave, right? You could have somebody who looks incredible online and you get to see them and they're, they're terrible in the office. They have no bedside manner. I mean, they looked friendly online, but you know, are they... You know, they just want to do a thousand dollars worth of out-of-pocket labs, and you know, I mean, yeah. So it's they're, they're weird bedfellows that doctors are being asked to do, right? I mean, you have to have a certain amount of ambition and willingness to put yourself forward-facing, which which is really not required to be a good doctor, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really tough for doctors that are trying to pull into their practice. I do think that you know, I think it would behoove more more doctors I mean, and, and doctors, some doctors would say there's a conflict of interest and they have no desire to do this. But I have found working within the supplement industry um, and not just supplements, but working with, you know, all manner of health promoting devices, programs, supplements um, as an expert to be really fulfilling work that's really supported my practice um, because it, I get validated externally when patients see me in these other roles Right. And then I get validated in that role because I actually see patients. And it's a real victorious cycle that works for me um, financially and also, you know, for, for my brand. And I I wish that more more um, healthcare providers would avail themselves of those kinds of opportunities or that companies would think of doctors and healthcare providers more for those kinds of opportunities, because I think you know, it can create a, a dialogue with the public that's often lacking. And that I think the public is really actually really desires to hear more um, uh, in certain situations um, from from healthcare providers and, and experts with clinical experience, too. So and, and it's another way that people who are in the same boat as me can actually build their business and have fun and keep income coming in and not be spending every day writing Instagram posts. Yeah. No, no. I, you know what came to mind when you were just talking about that? Uh, Dr. Fauci, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I haven't, we haven't, we've never talked about this, but I think that he has done such a good job with his brand mm-hmm. because he doesn't, he's, he's constantly not telling you what you want to hear. 
<laughs> he's not for sale, right? I don't think anybody owns this guy. No, I think we've they, established that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has done so many, so much good work for humanity. And you watch people like attack him and he's not phased. Like he's, he's rarely like even you can't tell he's you can't tell what what's going on in his head mm-hmm. he's just so dedicated to i believe truth mm-hmm. and, and science and helping mm-hmm. and science and 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 we have those of us who have reacted well to that brand have embraced him mm-hmm. as a voice of reason and honesty in in you know in a time where catastrophe was taken over by culture wars. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and none of this should have been a culture war. No, none of the pandemic should have been a culture war at all. This was all like, like, man, there's a disease. We need to fight it. What do we do? And not like, Oh, well, if you're this, you do this. And if you do, if you're that, you do this. And it's, you know, and if you, you know, if you believe in this, then you shouldn't do that because, and it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) It doesn't have anything to do with it. How do you make that connection? No, we're actually in this together. And we need to be working together. One of the things I love about Fauci um, is that he has had to change what he's said on several occasions, right? Which falls under the heading of not what people want to hear. People want this stuff to be linear and predictable. And science, if you are really going to be a follower of science, then you know that part of the scientific method is that we put things forward, we collect data, we continue to push forward if the data showed that was the way to go. If the data didn't, we go, okay, not that. And we go this way. I mean, this is actually how science works. And what I love about science when it's working is the willingness to say, wow, what I thought before was wrong. And this is actually a better way to think about it with what we know now. This makes people vastly uncomfortable. It certainly makes me uncomfortable. But it's a reality of where we are. And I have really appreciated watching Fauci try to navigate through those things um, and really just, you know, hold true to that, you know, following of the science and following of the data and things are going to change. And yes, goalposts change and things move. And now I know that what I'm saying, I've found um, I like about him. You could find a lot of people to say that they hate that about him. But, you know, I would argue that that's simply the truth of where we are right now. Like this has not been linear. So somebody who's willing to zigzag and stay in integrity with what we know to be true in that moment. I mean, those are the people that I'm looking for. And, you know, and that's how I want to be. Yeah, that's very well said. Dr. Shani, I, uh, we're coming to an end on, on this episode, but I wanted to thank you. And, and how can people um, find out more about you? Where, where do they find you? Uh, the easiest way to find me is on my website, which is drshani.com. So that's D-R-S-H-U. N-N-E-Y.com. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that'll be in the show notes so everybody can find it. And, uh, you know, I just want to, I want to say that, you know, one of, one of our goals here is to bring on, um, you know, interesting, compelling, fascinating professionals that are dealing with this new language of marketing in, 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 in their own way. And, and what I really liked about the conversation today was, um, you know, the human element of it and, and hearing your journey and, uh, and, and again, kind of going against stereotype because I think it's so easy to make assumptions about, about people in certain professions and, 
at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're all just trying to get by. And we're all just trying to do a good job. And uh, we're all trying to figure out Facebook ads. You know, it's like every, we're all in it together to that regard. And, uh, and, and I really hope that that, that came across. Um, thank you again, Dr. Shoney. It's great having you. My name is Rob McGray. This is DTC Growth Hacking. It's presented by Field Test. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Rob. This was a Field Test Podcast.